Are your students comfortable reflecting on their own experiences? Are we as teachers comfortable doing this? This is an important first step in asking our students and ourselves to understand and appreciate other cultures and experiences. Today, I speak with Jocelyn Hubbard, host of the Culture-Centered Classroom podcast, about how we can engage students in their own cultural reflection. We will also learn how to do it for ourselves. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. I am Joshua Cabral, and you know that it might be sounding old, but I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to start by saying you're an incredible educator. For many reasons, I don't know each and one of you personally, but I do know one thing about you, and that is you are listening to a podcast about teaching on your own time. So just knowing that, you're an incredible educator. And I'm going to keep saying it at the beginning of every episode because you need to keep hearing it. So thank you for being here. And today, we're going to look into a topic that we're calling cultural self-reflection. I am so happy to be speaking today to Jocelyn Hubbard. She is an incredible person, and I've had the pleasure of being on her podcast. I've had the pleasure of being in workshops with her and listening to the episodes of her podcast. But Jocelyn helps teachers spark joy. That's the first thing that she'll tell you. She helps teachers to spark joy during the learning experience by creating an inclusive and welcoming classroom environment for all students. So she is the founder and managing director of Custom Teaching Solutions, LLC, and also the host of the Culture-Centered Classroom podcast. So she has been at this game for over 16 years as an educator, a speaker, and delivering professional development in schools and helping to facilitate. I was just saying before we started the call today, the last thing I saw on Instagram was a reel where she was talking about a workshop she was doing. She is driven by a passion to see the diverse people of our world feel welcomed, affirmed, and celebrated. Now, is that an easy task? No, but she is up for the challenge. And that's what she's doing and helping in schools. Uh, She's also a wife and a mom to five kids in the midst of doing all of this. And I love that she points out that she is dedicated to parenting each one as a unique individual. So some of the workshops that she does is about creating a welcoming and culturally inclusive learning space and educating through an equity lens. And most recently, I was in a workshop with Jocelyn where she was telling us about creating resources that are welcoming, inclusive, and culturally appropriate. Because we can do so much of this work in the classroom, but then the actual resources we're creating for students have to also reflect that. So I got to be in the space with one of my podcast icons to hear her talking about that. Welcome to the World Language Classroom podcast, Jocelyn. 
Thank you so much, Joshua. That was an incredible introduction. My bucket is completely full for the day for the next week. <laughs> Are you ready to jump into this conversation about this cultural self-reflection? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's start by understanding what this is. And my reason for wanting to talk about this is I have this feeling a lot with students that we do DEIJB work, this diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, belonging work from, I see it a little bit of a place of privilege where we are helping our students to understand and navigate otherness. But there's not always this place for the tools and resources and support of being the otherness in that situation, which is a less privileged place to be. So I think this idea of cultural self-reflection is starting to make it way more personal. So tell us what that is and how you go about that with students. Yes, that's a great question. And I want to kind of circle back to when you were doing the introduction, you were talking about how I help teachers to spark joy. And when I think about cultural self-reflection, that is sparking joy for our students, right? Because cultural self-reflection is essentially seeing and celebrating, getting a deeper understanding of both the beautiful and broken pieces of our story so that we can connect more deeply with ourselves and navigate the learning space and then be able to connect more authentically with others. So whether that's the students doing self-reflection and being able to connect to their classmates and their teachers or other people that they encounter in this world, or whether that's the teacher also doing this cultural self-reflection and being able to connect to the students in a really unique and important way. So let's talk about the process. Let's get into what this looks like when you are engaging students in this cultural self-reflection or teachers, adults as well. So what does that process look like? Well, I think that anything that we want to do with our students, we have to do that with ourselves first. So especially something like reflection, as the educator, I had to get comfortable reflecting on my own before I could do that with my students because reflection is challenging, right? Reflection is literally holding up a mirror to yourself and saying, I don't know, I don't know that that's not mm -hmm. cute right there. Mm -hmm. But then also holding up the mirror and being able to say, yeah, that's amazing. Because I think that sometimes we shy away from saying what is amazing about ourselves because it's like, oh, well, you're not humble. You know, you're, you're being too boastful or too proud. And so we as educators, especially I think as educators, we have to be able to reflect first, get comfortable in that space, and then we can do it with our students because then we understand that tension on the inside. We understand what it feels like to be uncomfortable. And then you can say, okay, so these are some of the things that are going to be challenges for my students as they start to reflect, as I start to ask them some of these more challenging questions, as I start to you know, have them probe the inner recesses of their mind and of their heart as they think about the motivation behind whatever it is that they're doing. So practically in the classroom, mm -hmm. it has to start with you as the teacher. You have to do this cultural reflection and look at the beautiful and mm -hmm. the broken pieces of, of your own story. What was it like for you to be mm -hmm. in school? Thinking about being a world language teacher specifically, I mean, when I was in school, first of all, you and I talked about this on my podcast, it was called foreign language, right? <laughs> it 
was it was called foreign mm-hmm. language. Mm-hmm. So what was my mindset even as a student walking into this? What was the mindset of my teachers? I mean, I don't know, right? I wasn't them, but thinking about how this space has evolved and how you have engaged from the time that you were a student to now the time being the facilitator of this learning space, mm-hmm. you have to really sit with that. So when I was doing this type of work with my own students, I really wrestled with, okay, my identity as a black woman in America, being a teacher of predominantly BIPOC students, right? Black indigenous people of color. So I had native American, black, Mexican American. I had a couple of students from Colombia actually, and from Puerto Rico, but how did I show up authentically as a black woman, as a person of color, raised up north, all of these things, thinking about the same thing for my students. And so creating that space, I just told them outright. I was like, look, throughout this school year, it's important for me to help you to understand who you are as a learner so that you can then advocate for the best learning experience possible. And in order to do that, you have Mm -hmm. to know yourself. And so that was the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. It was laying this very transparent foundation of all year long, we are going to be reflecting on the things that you've enjoyed or not enjoyed in this classroom. We are going to be talking very seriously about changes and shifts that I need to make as as your teacher, as the facilitator of your learning experience, because you're the learner. Only you can do the learning. I can't learn for you. So I can stand up here and talk at you all day. And you haven't learned a single thing. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's kind of the mm-hmm. first two steps, right? Is the educator doing the reflection process themselves to understand where there's tension mm-hmm. and then being very open and transparent with your with your students and saying, this is why I want you to do this type of reflection. Because if you don't know yourself, how mm-hmm. can I help you to be the best student? How can I help you to learn to the you know to your greatest capacity? When we start by saying this self-reflection on the teacher's part and you had mentioned at the beginning one of the ways of doing that is to put yourself in your seventh grade self what was that experience like for you and I was just wondering if you could give us one or two other things that teachers could be doing where teachers can do some of that self-reflection cultural self-reflection really is developing cultural competence which is becoming aware of who Mm -hmm. you are, right? Um, I know that your listeners probably are familiar with this, becoming aware of of who you are, but then becoming fluent in another culture. So the exercise that I encourage them to do is to go put yourself in a space unlike any other, a space where you are not the majority, a space that is maybe uncomfortable, right? So like I identify Mm -hmm. as a Protestant Christian, but all of my students did not. So I went to a Catholic church. I went to visit Jehovah Witnesses. So I went to different spaces because I taught in the Bible Belt. I taught in North Carolina, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And so religion is huge. It's big, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, it's this massive thing. And I think in in the United States, for sure. But I put myself in these different situations. I taught Native American students. So I would go to powwows. I would talk to community leaders. I would go to farmers markets and be in the community because I needed to feel Mm -hmm. 
what it felt like to be a part of a community that I was not necessarily raised in. And then I could build a relationship with my students from that standpoint. So that really is a simple thing, but you have to be intentional about doing that. Mm -hmm. It comes down to that intentionality, right? Not just going through the motions, but it's that extra step of putting yourself in a situation that is possibly uncomfortable, but just not representative of your everyday lived experience, right? So when teachers are doing that work, and then we're going into our classroom, could you talk to us about how we can be creating a safe and inclusive environment for students? And I believe you refer to this as a culturally inclusive learning space. And I've also seen the term of liberatory education out there or a liberatory learning space. So how can we be creating those in our classroom? Yes, 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 definitely all of those phrases. The first thing that I would say is for teachers and students to co-create norms. I mean that with all seriousness and, and like, please, this is, as I said earlier, the learner is the only one that can do the learning. So if we are imposing norms on our students, I don't care what their racial background, their ethnic background, their geographic, whatever, like, if you don't have an understanding of who they are and what respect or responsibility or safety means to them, how can you possibly create that space in the classroom? Especially in a world language classroom where you are really asking them to step outside of their comfort zone to really feel comfortable embodying this. And students, they already don't want to stand out, right? Like they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want people to see me as weird or what, you know, whatever that means. So co-creating norms with your students, throwing out some big words like responsibility and safety and belonging and welcome. Don't just assume everybody thinks that respect means the same thing. Don't just assume that everyone thinks that safety is the same thing. So that is the first way that you're going to create this classroom where students do feel welcome, where they feel included and integrated into the space. Not just, oh, you get to put your little stamp on a couple of posters that I've put up around the classroom. So that's the first thing. And then the second is as you are designing your lessons, I would really encourage you to think about three anchor questions, as I call them. The first is, what might my students learn about themselves? The second is, what might my students learn about their peers? The third is, what might my students learn about the world around them? This is going to allow you to incorporate so many wonderful aspects of a culturally inclusive and relevant and responsive space because you're naturally weaving in this self-reflection. You're bringing in this understanding of like social awareness and, oh my gosh, yeah, what are the people that are around me doing? What are they thinking? How do I feel about that? Maybe I want to take a few things from their bucket because I really enjoy the way that they show up. And then how am I connecting all of this stuff to the world? So with, with my students, because I taught seventh and eighth grade, I actually would ask them those questions. I would actually ask my students those questions, mm -hmm. not specifically in that way. I would phrase it in different ways, but I wanted them to get a sense of how are you showing up as a learner? What did you learn about yourself today that you mm -hmm. could persevere? Did you learn that you need to do more research? 
Did you learn that you were brilliant in this space? Like, what did you learn about you in this way? So those are those are two additional things, right? Co-creating norms so that the children do feel safe because they they know that they've mm-hmm. been they've been allowed to talk about safety. And then using these three anchor questions to really ground your lessons in a space of reflection. And then your students become mm-hmm. used to it. They're like, oh yeah, we know this reflection is going to happen. And to ask a very personal question about my own teaching here, and I always hope that, well, if I have this question, there's at least 10 listeners who have this question as well, is taking on an activity like reflecting on your own personal experience in something. But then we have students that are looking at their lived experience, and there's going to be trauma attached to it. There's going to be racism. There's going to be sexism. You know, there's going to be all this xenophobic stuff that they've experienced. And to not have that in doing this activity as a student is a privilege. But the lack of privilege is when you do this and then you hit on some trauma. What do you do in that situation in your classroom? So honestly, because I believe in starting with the reflection for myself and really digging in, I think that as educators, most of us would say we're truly honestly reflecting that we've experienced trauma in some form or fashion, right? If we're really looking at it. And when I lead workshops with teachers, (laughs) some of them have never had to identify themselves in certain ways, right? I say, look, let's talk about your family dynamics. Let's talk about your sexual orientation. Let's talk about your religious beliefs. And I want you to actually identify yourself. And they're like, whoa, I've never had to do that. Now that you've had to do it, now I want you to really unpack that and think about what it has felt like to be a woman in this space, to be a this, a that, however you identify. And sitting with that trauma themselves, they're like, okay, yep, you're right. I never did read a single book in my English class. I never saw a scientist that identified the same way that I do. I never saw whatever, a mathematician or whatever. And so, again, sitting with that for yourself allows you to be aware of and for you to think through, A, what might I have needed as a student during this time? And then what are some things that I might need to put in place for my students? The next thing that I'm going to say is that this is a space where you want to talk to your school counselor. You want to talk to your school counselor. Let them know, hey, this is the way that I want to lead this class. And I am not an expert in trauma-informed practices. How can I, you know, or are there things that I should know about the students in my classroom so that I can be more aware as I am asking these questions, right? Because I'll just say it for myself, I am not a school counselor. I am not a psychologist, right? And so navigating that space, of Mm -hmm. course it was tricky. Mm -hmm. Of course it was. And teaching eighth grade, oh my gosh, Joshua. Mm -hmm. I taught Native American Mm -hmm. students. I taught Mexican American. Like there was definitely (laughs) trauma connected to. I had students who were like, yeah, this, I wasn't able to connect in this space. Or like when I'm thinking about my family dynamics and how that has impacted me as a learner, like students were like, oh no. Like I was bounced around from house to house, but the teachers never asked about that. And so when I came to school and I didn't have the work done, they would just yell at me immediately. They wouldn't ask the question, right? So one of the things that I would encourage, right, because I feel Mm -hmm. like maybe I've circled around this a little bit, 
is again, as you are stepping into this space, you need to help the students to understand the why behind the what. There needs to be a lot of conversation, a lot of foundational groundwork that is done. And when you're co-creating norms with your students and you're talking about things like safety, that could be a trigger for trauma. And so starting mm-hmm. that type of work, like individually having the students reflect by themselves and letting them know, look, we are going to talk about some things mm-hmm. that might trigger a feeling of sadness in you. And that is not my intention, but in order for me to best like support you, I need to talk about things like safety. I need to talk about things like belonging Mm -hmm. because I want you to feel that in this classroom. And if you need a moment, you don't have to ask me. You just take your moment, right? Having spaces like a calm down corner, Mm -hmm. a reflective space, or having a symbol that they can put on their desk. Maybe you have a couple of post-it notes. They put a post-it note at the top of the desk to let you know, I need a moment right now. And you just say, hey, you know, such and such, Mm -hmm. can you take this to the office for me for just a moment? Right. So creating this space where the students know that you see them, you see them again. And I'm going to go back, especially in a world language classroom where you are talking about so many different cultural pieces, having this appreciation and understanding that everyone's story has pieces of brokenness but also these beautiful things. And we have to understand both of those to be able to show up fully and to really be able to engage in the learning space. So I hope that that answers the question. I know it's kind of long-winded. <laughs> I do appreciate the concrete examples that you gave of what we can do in the classroom to create the space. Because I think a, a lot of times it's, what do I do when this happens? And it's like, what you do is have thought about it three months earlier to create that space. It's a proactive approach to teaching in your classroom and when you can create that situation. But I also appreciate that you point out that there are going to be times when we don't have those answers. It's not our zone of expertise and we have to reach out and use other support and resources for it. So thank you very much for your answer to it. So that was very beneficial. So Can you give some recommendations to teachers about where they can be continuing to dive into this work of self-discovery and supporting their students with this cultural self-reflection? Absolutely. I mean, I definitely share tons of information on my podcast, which is called the Culture Centered Classroom Podcast, and as well as my website, customteachingsolutions.com, where I have a ton of blog posts where I share questions that you can ask more specifically, activities that you can use in your classroom. And then I do actually create resources to help teachers to do this type of work. Because like you said, Joshua, it is about being intentional and it's about being proactive. So anytime that I'm working with teachers, it's all about how do we build this in as a practice throughout the entire school year. And I've done this work with my students. So when I throw out those three anchor questions, like, That's not a resource that you have to buy. Those are just three questions that you can ask. And I actually have Mm -hmm. a a free resource. It's called Creating a Welcoming and Culturally Inclusive Classroom Roadmap. So you can just get that by going to customteachingsolutions.com forward slash the roadmap. In that resource, I have the three anchor questions along with like additional questions that kind of 
connect to each one of those so that you can ask your students those questions in unique ways. As far as continuing your own journey of learning, I would say that there are also some amazing professional development books that are out there where teachers and researchers are sharing some very practical strategies as well for, for using these type of culturally responsive and relevant pedagogies, culturally sustaining pedagogies in your classrooms. And so you mentioned your website and your podcast. Uh, what are your social media handles where teachers can be watching some of these really cool reels I've seen you've been doing lately? <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my Instagram handle is at I teach custom and then anywhere else it's custom teaching solutions. So those are the two main kind of social media places where you can find me. Before we say our goodbyes, I always like to leave teachers with a hearty piece of advice that they can take into their classroom tomorrow or Monday or next week. So what's some advice you can leave with us when we are engaging in this idea of cultural self-reflection? Understand that this is a journey, that there's not a specific destination. So not to be afraid to get started. Because even for me, myself, this is the work that I literally do every single day. And I am still growing and learning and I make mistakes. I call them must stakes, right? M-U-S-T stakes. Mm -hmm. We have to make mm -hmm. mistakes in order to grow and to learn. And so I just want to encourage you to start today and to understand that this is a journey and it's going to be exciting. It really is. But there are going to be some challenges. And that's good, too. <laughs> Thank you very much for everything that you shared and for allowing me the opportunity to ask some of the hard questions that I grapple with myself. And I really appreciate your insights on that. And I am going to be really open to all of my mistakes now. So thank you so much for being here, Jocelyn. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. What are your takeaways from that conversation with Jocelyn Hubbard? I hope that you're feeling prepared to engage in self-reflection and to support your students in doing the same in your classroom. Be sure to check out the show notes to connect with Jocelyn. You'll also see the link to sign up for Talking Points, my weekly email newsletter with tips and resources for language teaching. And there are also links to get in touch with me if you'd like to work together. We can do that either in person in your school or even remotely. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the World Language Classroom podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so that you never miss an episode. Let's keep the conversation going on social media. Connect with me on X, aka Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at WL Classroom. And for even more valuable resources, visit my website, wlclassroom.com, where you'll find over 300 blog posts about language teaching. So stay inspired, keep growing, and continue making a difference in your language classroom.